It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Daily Tech News Show is made possible by you listening right now. Thanks to all of you, including Jeffrey Zilks, Kriya Artem, Tony Glass, and Bill Baggins. On this episode of DTNS, Intel's future is becoming ARM. Apple has a free sports app and a defense against our quantum future. What don't they have? This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. In Los Angeles, I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Animal House, I'm Sarah Lane. And beneath finally sunny skies, I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. Oh, is that why you have such a sunny mood? Because the uh, the skies are sunny? Yes, I'm getting uh I'm getting uh my vitamin D indirectly through the window. Through the window. You so have one I. of the, yeah, one yeah. of those windows that just lets in the vitamin D rays. Yeah. Hopefully. (laughs) Sunscreen optional. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm excited uh, because we have a great live audience. Dan Crafton, who's very active on our Patreon, threatened to make the live show on Patreon this morning and then showed up in the live show. Next thing you know, R.W. Nash is going to show up live. Who knows what can happen? Uh, Let's get in to the quick hits. Overnight, several users reported... Let's call it unpredictable behavior from ChatGPT. One example that The Verge pulled from a Reddit user was a request for a biography of the Jackson family of musicians that contained the line, Schwitendli, the sparkle of Tourmar on the crest that has as much to do with the gulver of the moon paths (laughs) as it shifts from follow. Now, if you said, uh, I didn't understand what that had to do with the Jackson family... Well, you're not alone. A lot of other people said something seems wrong with ChatGPT. At 10.40 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, OpenAI acknowledged it was investigating reports of unexpected responses from ChatGPT. A few minutes later, announced it was working on a fix. The problem seems to have gone away, but OpenAI says it's still monitoring the situation. Yeah. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> this is the thing that happens when you've got a tool that just tries to predict the next word. Sometimes it doesn't predict so. I well. mean, sometimes I'm tired and I sound weird too. Yeah, yeah that's true. You know, chat GPT. Uh, AI Vertex, Google's and Nemo. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just had a little a little glitch. Uh, Google has released Gemma 2B and 7B. These are two open source AI models that let developers use closed AI model Gemini more freely. Uh, The lightweight Gemma models are supposed to be better for smaller tasks like making your own chatbot uh, or doing summarizations of your own data. Google claims its Gemma models, quote, surpass significantly larger models on key benchmarks.
works. Sort of an empty phrase that doesn't mean anything except uh, we think ours are better. Uh, They are also capable of running directly on a developer laptop or desktop computer. Now, that's a quote that does mean something. These are local models. You can run them yourself. You don't need to put them in the cloud. Uh, You can try them out on the Kaggle uh, laptop. Uh, You can get them at Hugging Face, NVIDIA's Nemo, and Google's Vertex AI. At Nintendo Direct earlier today, the company announced that Grounded and Sentiment are Xbox exclusive games that will be exclusive no more when they arrive for the Nintendo Switch. Sentiment launches Thursday, February 22nd, Grounded on April 16th. So that's two of the four that Microsoft said would be coming. The Verge's sources think Hi-Fi Rush and Sea of Thieves are probably the other two. These could still launch on the Switch later, and any of the four could also come to the PS5. I appreciate the sentiment, but it's pentiment. Oh, <laughs> pentiment. Uh, but just, uh, but yeah, there we go. Now we, now we know. Now we know. At least two of them. They still might bring the others. <laughs> well, someone should make a game called Sentiment. Okay? Yeah, please. For goodness sakes, Xbox. Uh, ZTE's Libero Flip for the Japanese market is going for $420 or $265 if you pre-order. Uh, that might help indications that the flip market is back, if it ever went away, uh, as the Libero flip is priced well below the $1,000 Samsung Galaxy Z flip and darn near as low as a clearance sale refurbished flip you could still find around the net if you wanted to look for it on a used market. Libero flip has a Qualcomm Snapdragon 7 series chip inside and a 6.9 inch 2790 by 1188 foldable OLED panel, slightly larger than the Samsung Flip. It includes a 50 megapixel main camera, 2 megapixel depth camera, 16 megapixel selfie in the front, runs Android 13 with 6 gigs of RAM, 128 gigs storage, Wi-Fi 6 and Bluetooth 5.2, charges up to 33 watts over its USB-C port, but I think most importantly, its front cover screen is circular, so it looks like a little compact. The Wall Street Journal sources say that Reddit may set aside a chunk of shares in its upcoming IPO for 75,000 of its most active users. Sort of a thank you for being a friend. But as Mastodon user uh, Carnage for Life points out, I was initially impressed because I thought they were gifting them shares. However, an opportunity to buy Reddit shares at a $5 billion valuation, hoping that it goes higher... It's more of a gamble than a perk. Oh, that's just true of every IPO, though, right? Every IPO, you, they don't give away the shares. <laughs> that's, that's not how IPOs work. But they limit who gets to buy them at the initial price, the idea being that IPOs generally go up. So I mean, hey, yeah, you know, if you're, if you're a diehard Reddit user and you're part of the 75,000, this might be, might be a cool perk. Might yeah. Be. If you wanted to buy the IPO, it's a cool perk. If you're like, no, I never wanted to to buy stock in Reddit, then no, it's probably not that cool of a perk. I get that. (laughs) Well, back in 2021, Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger promised Intel's customers and investors five nodes in four years with the plan to go all in on fabs and become a top-to-bottom foundry service for the whole world to use. Now that roadmap is is seeing some light with Intel's first EUV-based node, Intel 4, available in the market today, and its high-volume counterpart, Intel 3, also ready. Intel is also ready in its Gate All Around, or G-A-A-F-E-T, Ribbon F-E-T, for 2024 and next year, 2025. Today, Intel's Foundry Group, 
has uh, formerly become Foundry Group, used to be called Intel Foundry Services, and held its first conference, Direct Connect. Direct Connect is Intel's first chance to talk at length about the five nodes goal and where the company's going forward. Direct Connect is also Intel's chance to update folks on, you know, what comes after those first five nodes. Intel Foundry wants to expand capacity, customers, tooling. That's obvious. You know, the company wants to make money. And now the group is looking toward a slate of even more advanced nodes, but also packaging technologies that would be necessary to back all that up. Now, Roger, you had mentioned in our pre-show meeting that Intel didn't exactly deliver on the promise from three years ago, timing-wise, but... But they're getting there. What stood out to you about how far Intel has come? I think two things stood out. One is that they really do have a plan to become a top-to-bottom foundry. That means we they just don't uh, they, they they're not just going to be a fabricator or a foundry to make make other people's designs. They will you 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 work they'll work with the client and develop their own chips uh, designs as well as uh, testing them and then producing them uh, and. It doesn't sound like much on the uh, face of it, but you have to understand that Intel's foundries have historically just been used internally. That means they now to ha- they now need to have the process and the tooling to have a variety of potential clientele come through the door and say, "We want this chip designed and made and on this uh, uh, process node. Can you do it?" Uh, so that is an entirely different set of uh, uh, requirements because now it's no like, hey, can I borrow this from from this foundry because we need it for this chip because it's you know in the same company. Now you have to be a little more um, well-oiled, as it were, uh, to be kind of a, a, a clientele-facing operation. The other thing is that they're, the, the EU, EUV or the extreme uh, UV lithography machine that they got is uh, the new numerical aperture, which means it's a larger aperture uh, – Effectively, what it means is they can produce the smaller node process uh, in a shorter amount of time. And it's a machine that TSMC itself has passed on because they're fine with their current process and they can effectively move to the next generation without too many tweaks. But for Intel, this could possibly be their way to leapfrog TSMC into the next generation of chips. Um, Still too early to say if that actually will happen, but uh, at least based on their flow chart that they 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 gave, uh, it looks like they're aiming for that. Yeah, the, the, I think Intel's doing better than a lot of people expected, even though they're running behind their own timeline. Uh, Gelsinger is committed. I think that's the important point here. He's not doing this halfway. He's not saying, hey, uh, we'd, we'd like to make chips for other people, but really we want to make all our money on our own chips, so we'll begrudgingly make chips for other people, which is, I think, what a lot of people thought. They, they thought the Intel Foundry would sort of compete with TSMC, and that's that. And what you're saying, Roger, is they're competing with ARM, too. They're like, hey, we can design a chip for you. You, you want to come to us with the design? Great. We'll build it for you. We'll build it faster than TSMC is what they'll tell you. Uh, but they'll also design. They'll also do packaging. Uh, that is smart. Gelsinger is not doing this halfway. He's like, if we're going to be a foundry, let's be a foundry from top to bottom. And it's it's interesting because I think a very few companies have done that. I think IBM has done that in the past with their uh, Power PC, and they developed and uh, f- uh, uh, Fab the cell processor used in the PS3. Um, but it is it is a very capital intensive 
goal. It's not cheap. Uh, the fact that they are sticking to their guns and Gelsinger is effectively emphatically saying this is where we're going to be. 2025 is kind of the, the benchmark year where you're going to see if all these promises that they've, they've put out uh, yeah. come to fruition. And uh, it's something they need to be patient with if they want to supplement and eventually surpass the in-house Intel chips. X86 isn't going to last forever. That, that's what Gelsinger is identifying here. And he needs to get the foundry business in place before that happens and hopefully come up with new designs that, that keep Intel chips uh, a, a, as a going concern as well. I don't think they're going to abandon making their own chips, uh, but they know that this is a much more competitive market than they used to be when they when the old Wintel dominance just you know, shoved everything else out the door. A Bloomberg reporting Microsoft has contracted Intel to make its chips. Those are the kinds of big contracts that Intel's foundry is going to need to have to make it successful. So if that ends up uh, being as Bloomberg reported, and Bloomberg's pretty good with this stuff, uh, it's a good sign that Gelsinger is on the right track. Couple of Apple stories to talk about. First, sports. On Wednesday, <laughs> yeah, Apple announced sports. a f- <laughs> now the sports. A free standalone app called Apple Sports. Uh, very clever. Thank you, Apple. Uh, sharing scores and stats to your iOS device. This is not unlike a Yahoo Sports or you know some some other uh, sports app that you might have already been using for some time. It's also designed to drive viewers to the Apple TV app to watch those live sports, which does include now Major League Soccer matches. Apple has a 10-year deal through Apple TV's MLS Season Pass subscription add-on. Apple Sports includes a Watch on Apple TV button for each game. Now, it's not always going to apply, but if it does, then you can open up your Apple TV app to the service that's live streaming the event and where you can subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. So it's sort of a, it's a portal. It's a portal to sports. Apple Sports is in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. app stores for now, with support for English and French and Spanish where it is available. It's a sportal. It's a sportal. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a sports portal. I love this and hate it. Um, Why do you hate it? (laughs) Well, should I start? Yeah. Would you like me to start with the love or start with the the hate? Bad news first. Bad news first. Uh, Why isn't this cross-platform? Well, I know why, because it's Apple, but I want this cross-platform. I don't want to have to only have this on my iOS device. I want it on the web. I want it on Android. I'll probably be able to get it on the web at some point, maybe, or at least on an app on my Mac, but I doubt I'll Mm. ever be able to get it on Android. Um, I also don't like that it's just Apple TV, although I want to see how this works in practice because Apple TV has add-on channels. So maybe it'll also have like Paramount Plus Sports. Maybe it'll even have Peacock or ESPN Plus or eventually ESPN uh, Sports because that would be, I think, a better deal for Apple is to say, watch all your sports through Apple TV's app, whether it's Apple provided sports or not, and use the Apple Sports app to launch them. I think that would be super compelling. So those are the things I don't like is that it seems more limited and very Apple-y. The thing I love about it, though, is I've wanted a simple sports score app forever. Uh, ESPN complicates things. It tries to give me things I don't want, uh, or at least things I don't want when I'm just looking for the scores. Uh, It tries to guess what I want, and it doesn't guess very well. Yahoo Sports is old, uh, and it's fine. But again, it's trying to, to show me things that it wants to show me. Apple is like, no, we know you just you just want to follow your teams or your leagues and your sports here. We made it made it simple and made it easy. And that's the thing I love about it. Uh, yeah, I I uh, installed the app this morning um, 
you know, works as advertised. I was like, here are my favorite teams. You tell me about those favorite teams. And uh, I think in, well, in theory, maybe not in execution at this point, you know, we're still crawling toward a world where I'd be like, I would like to watch this game. I've heard it starts in 15 minutes. No idea what platform it's on, what channel, don't know. Maybe Apple Sports will just help me get there. Yeah, let me just tap the button. You know, tap the and button I can watch and it. Take, take me there. If, maybe I have to pay. I don't know. I mean, just help me do that instead yeah. of Googling, like, on what channel are the Warriors Right, because Apple has all of the apps that play the sports, right? They have the, yeah. uh, the, the apps for all the streaming services, even apps for all the cable services out there. If you could just tap the button that says... Oh, this is playing here. Uh, we geolocated you, so we know this is the service that has it in your market. Uh, yeah. And if you if you subscribe, we'll just launch you into that app. And if you don't, then we'll give you the option of like, oh, if you want to watch it, you could subscribe to these different services. That would be great. I would love it if they did that. I mean there there are there are Apple apps that actually do this quite well already not for sports but for example you know I talk about my love for Plex you know I, you know if something's on the media server that I'm that that I have access to great but um, if I don't have access, it goes, okay, uh, Apple TV Plus has this, and you know, here's what you would pay. Well, I have Apple TV Plus, so that doesn't really matter, but you know, you might not. But yeah, whether you or, do or not, you know, it'll or, tell you where to get you know, it. Right. Yeah. On Hulu or on Netflix. Apple, or, the Apple you know, TV, else. Apple TV does the same thing. Like the actual device, the Apple TV does the same yeah. thing. And it even has the, the sports. The, the teams that I follow on the Apple TV app were pre populated in the Apple Sports app when I launched it. So it does a pretty good job of telling me like, oh, the Illinois basketball team is playing in Apple TV. Uh, so it's halfway there. Just put it in the sports app, right? Which I don't know. Maybe they will. I haven't really had it long enough to be able to test if that's the case or not. But they're not showing I mean, me a way to watch the Illinois game yet. The the um, the album art for the app is a soccer field. I think Apple is going hard MLS, in yeah. on MLS right now, seeing where it sticks and hopefully opening up after that. Yeah, I think that is probably true. Uh, well, the other thing we didn't talk about in regard to sports is AI deciding for you what sports you want to watch. Uh, if you want to stay up to date in the fast moving world of artificial intelligence, you cannot miss AI named this show. Uh, each week, Tristan Jutra and Teja Custody cut through the hype they cut through the doomsaying uh and just talk about the things that are important to know about artificial intelligence and generative models and deep learning and machine learning and llms and all of that catch it at ai named this show.com hi this is janice torres from yo quiero dinero from a local business to a global corporation Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone 
and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. In the next OS software updates for phones, tablets, watches, and Macs, another Apple story. Yes, we are doing it. Apple will add a new cryptographic protocol to its messaging service, iMessage, called PQ3. The new protocol is designed to be resistant to future attacks from quantum computers. Now, Tom, people might say, well, I mean, isn't encryption just resistant to all sorts of attacks? Why would quantum computers be particularly problematic yeah and we don't need to worry about quantum computers this minute uh they're making slow progress but they are making progress and one of the thing that quantum computers are good at is breaking encryption right now they're not powerful enough to practically break current encryption but they're on their way uh, if you want to break uh, a key, right, an encryption key, a classical computer has to run through all the possible combinations. Now, classical computers can break through combinations very fast, but if you make that key long enough, if you make the factors of the encryption long enough, the time it would take to crack a key can become impractically long. Uh, so it could be like, yeah, you can run through all the possibilities <laughs> you, in you will not be alive. Years. Yeah, exactly. And then that's considered secure. Like, oh, a hundred thousand years from now, if someone finally does crack your key, you probably won't care. Quantum computers, on the other hand, work a different way than classical computers. One of the things they can do is make multiple attempts at once. Uh, but there's other ways that they can speed up the process. And look at current encryption and break it fast. They could break it in a month. They could break it in a week. You know, eventually they might be able to break it in minutes. Uh, Here's why you need to worry about that now. Bad actors are gathering your encrypted data and storage is cheap. So they can keep your encrypted data around until the time the quantum computers become practical to use to break encryption. Now, for most of this, maybe not that big of a deal. But, you know, people in sensitive situations, uh, people who are very concerned about privacy are are going to be vulnerable to someone saying, well, I got your encrypted data and eventually I'll be able to crack it. So to get ahead of the game, Apple is updating its encryption so that even if they steal your encrypted messaging data, it will be resistant to quantum computing. It will have strong enough encryption that even a quantum computer shouldn't be able to break it. Now, you might say, okay, well, Apple is like really, really worried about quantum computers, but uh, not the only company doing this, right? No, if 
again, these are things that the very security minded uh, people in governments, people in militaries, people in journalism, people in sensitive situations worry about. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But those are the kinds of people that use apps like Signal. Signal recently added quantum resistance to its encryption protocol, too. Now, Apple created its own uh, way of ranking their encryption and it turns out theirs is the best. <laughs> what a surprise, eh, Sarah? Um, mm. But there's there's actually a backing to that. Uh, Apple ranks its encryption at level one. It ranks Signal's quantum resistance at level two. Uh, and Apple's PQ3 at level three. So the current encryption is level one. That's one that's probably not going to be resistant. Signal's is at level two. It's pretty quantum resistant. But Apple's is at level three, the most quantum resistant. Uh, and if you're into this... Apple has a really well done post that goes into how they're using, you know, uh, Diffie Qs and, and elliptic curves and, and everything to, to make PQ3. But the short version is level two adds quantum resistance to the creation of the key. But if that key were to be compromised, then they could get your messages. What Apple's doing is like going above and beyond and changing up the keys so that even if they crack the key creation process, the ongoing messages wouldn't then be automatically decrypted. So that keeps the key from getting cracked. Um, it, It protects your messages even if somehow the key creation got cracked. Yeah. Okay. So that was going to be my question is... How is Apple testing this to Mm. feel confident in saying we're the best messages or iMessages where you send those messages? Yeah, normally you'd uh, you'd run it through some crackers, right? If it was classical computing and I don't mean Ritz, I I mean like you would you would try to brute force it and say like, ah, see, it can't be brute forced. We don't have quantum computers that can do this yet. So there isn't a computer you can try to break it with. So we really don't know how good this encryption is at resisting quantum computers but apple says its protocol was assessed by an unnamed third-party security company feel better if they named it but okay and this one i feel pretty good about two groups of academics who have written papers about the theory and the math behind it saying you know to the best of our knowledge this is really secure obviously there's no way of knowing until you actually get quantum computers that can test it but given everything we know this this is your best chance at quantum resistance so that that I makes mean, me feel pretty good about it yeah. too I think there's probably a couple of people out there being like okay so a bad actor who's trying to break into you know you know any platform system are they all going to have access to quantum computers i mean how easy will these be to come by in the future well, well, the idea is that uh, you don't know, so you might. And what Tom was saying, since storage Get is cheap, it. it's 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 a hedge. Of, it's a it's it's hedging yeah. your bets. It's the security um, game of like yeah. it's not how it's not how likely the attack is it's how how much how close to zero do you want to get the possibility of your data being uncovered. And remember, like most crime is a crime of opportunity. So if you can save, if you if you have an opportunity, you're just going to save it uh, for that day when it does come around. What's interesting is on the testing. I mean, most testing with with quantum computing, unless you actually have a quantum machine, but even if you did, you couldn't really do this. You you test it against an idealized quantum computer model, and you would go through a bunch of uh, uh, a theorized hypothetical, you know. Uh, 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 scenarios to see whether or not uh, it, it stands up. My question, though, is this really a game changer that Apple's presenting, or is this attempt to kind of ga- garner mind share ahead mm. of its competitors, saying like, hey, we're taking security 
to the next level. So when you think security, it's going to have an Apple uh, uh, embossed on front of it. I think I'd answer yes. The answer to both of those is yes. This is a real attempt at real security from from everything I can tell. And and I will bow to people who know more about security than I do if they, they find something weak about it. But it seems like it's an honest uh, defense against quantum resistance. It's not like Apple's the only one doing it. Signal's doing it. There are other security-minded organizations doing it. So it's not, it's not fluff. But... Uh, but also they want to use it to get mindshare. Like they don't need to do this. This is not a practical thing for the majority of their audience. But I think they want, like you said, people to think that Apple logo means security. I don't have a problem with that when they back it up with actual security, which appears to be what they're doing here. And uh, just for clarification, you don't actually need a quantum computer to use any of this. This is all done on classical computers. Ah, good point. It's, yeah. it's rather that the encryption it's a is done on classical yeah. computers. It would be the attacker that would have to use the quantum computer. Good point. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't wait till it comes to Android. And also, you don't need to do anything. This is just coming in an update, right? You're you're just going to get it. And it's going to happen. You don't need to turn it on or, or anything. I mean, I mean, can you imagine Apple, Apple being like, for $5 a month? <laughs> oh. We'll protect your privacy for just for an extra 5 bucks. Well, you know, I say that, and uh, let's just hope not. All right, let's check out the mailbag. So we got a, a bunch of good responses uh, to our conversation with Lamar Wilson, who was our guest yesterday on the show, about him liking the form factor of the iPad mini. Rusty, who lives in Huntsville, Alabama, hi Rusty, says, I've been a happy Android user since my first gen iPhone would not allow me to download podcasts over my required AT&T unlimited data plan. But then I decided to get my pilot's license. I decided ForeFlight was the best electronic flight bag. EFB for me. ForeFlight is only available on Apple products, so I succumbed back to Apple for a single iPad. The iPad mini is the perfect form factor for flying small aircraft. You can clamp it onto a mount on the yoke, just small enough to read gauges around it while being large enough to read misapproached procedures. I've seen other pilots fly with larger iPads, but they're usually placed in inconvenient places. Yeah, I, I'd say that Lamar's discussion of why he went back to the iPad mini has engendered the most response uh, of any discussion we've had in, in months. Uh, Brian wrote in and said, mini fan here, same as other comments as to the size. I love the size of the Kindle, which the mini is similar, fits into pockets, so easy to take with. I use it a lot for reading and PDFs. Also, card games work very well on that size. I also have an iPhone SE because I like my phones smaller, so the mini works well as the bigger screen. And David wrote in and said, I became an iPad mini fan when recording my son's high school basketball games from the bleachers. I didn't enjoy viewing the games by squinting at my iPhone Pro Max screen, and I had a hard time following the ball in action. But sizing up to the mini was just right. Fit on my tripod, wasn't overly intrusive or obnoxious to those sitting behind or around me, and the screen was big enough that I could get immersed in the action, not have to constantly glance over to see where the ball went. I also found it to be an excellent fit for seatback movie watching on planes. In its folding case, it'll slide into the brochure slot, be at eye level, I don't have to look down like I do with a laptop, and leaving the tray top space available for other things. That's one of the more interesting uh, uses of this is the the basketball game. Thank you, David. Uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, these, these are just a few of the many, many responses we got. 
And every one of them was like, yep, me too. Like the mini. Here's why. So I thought that was that was really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's always good to strike a chord yeah. and hear what everyone else is thinking. Indeed. Uh, patrons, stick around for the extended show. The fun doesn't end here. Good day, Internet. Uh, yesterday on Good Day Internet, uh, we talked about flying to Tokyo for lunch. Uh, could you go to Tokyo <laughs> for lunch? Well, one DTNS listener says, don't laugh too quick. The answer is yes. Plus, our theories on why ChatGPT lost its mind. We'll talk about all that and more. And that person doesn't actually live in Tokyo, by the way. It's no. a great story. You got you to hang around for this. But just a reminder, you can catch our show live Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 2100 UTC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We're back again doing it all tomorrow talking about Sora. That's the text to video generating AI from OpenAI with Charlotte Henry joining us. Talk to you then. The DTNS family of podcasts, helping each other understand. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.